Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. I'm your host, Oscar Lopez, alongside Kishi Free and Troy Wilson. Uh, unfortunately, they will not be here today. There are some weather issues that happen around their home area, and we hope everything is good. But um, we will have a loaded lineup today, and given the fact that we have uh, women's playoffs pretty much everywhere, in Canada, the U.S. now, um, Italy's going to start the playoffs as well. you got the Swedish and fin- Finnish leagues as well. In Germany, a lot of uh, women's gridiron football to be played on top of NFL news that we'll dive into the next couple weeks with the mini camps coming up. But uh, overall, today we have a great show. We're going to have the uh, Houston Wildcats president, Nat uh, Latman, and we're going to have Neil Rosenthal uh, check in in about 15 minutes here after the hour, and we're going to talk IWFL playoffs, uh, we're going to talk the scenarios for the IWFL, how it all went about in terms of for the Houston Wildcats and their playoff scenarios. And then we're going to dive into uh, the WFA Round 2, which is coming up this weekend, the big clash between the D.C. Divas, the current uh, WFA champions, versus the Pittsburgh Passion, uh, the two-time IWFL champs. So it's going to be a great matchup. You also have Boston, the Boston Renegades, without uh, their uh, historic quarterback. Allison Cahill, uh, they will be taking on the uh, ever-offensive juggernaut, which is uh, Rachel Gore and the Chicago Force. And out west, you have the Dallas Elite, Odessa Jenkins, and uh, their squad that's going to be taking on the second round this coming weekend, looking for the uh, return to the national championship and the prize that obviously eluded them last year in the loss to the D.C. Divas. So this year, they get the Kansas City Titans, Kansas City has faced them before. We'll go into detail with uh, Neil on the scenarios of this round two in the playoffs. And then out west also you have the Central Cal uh, War Angels behind Chantel Wiggins and Lisa King as well out there in uh, Destiny Jarborough in uh, the west coast. They're taking on the uh, very tough Pacific Warriors. This is their third third crack at the Pacific Warriors. Um, the Warriors' third crack at the Angels, I might say. And we'll see how that outcome comes about. So we'll go into detail of that in about 15 at the hour. And then we will dive into the Western Women's Canadian Football League final, the semifinals that happened this past weekend. We'll go into detail on the final. Uh, Valkyries uh, will be taking on the Edmonton Storm. This is a rematch of the 2011 initial uh, inauguration season 
uh, which the uh, Saskatoon won 35 to 7. We'll see if the Storm is ready. Storm actually lost last year to Regina, so this is their second back-to-back appearance in the final, first time in franchise history, and then look to see if they can uh, take care of the uh, amazing dynasty in the WWCFL, which is the Saskatoon uh, uh, Valkyries. So we'll talk to uh, Darren Steinke of at Stank Sports on Twitter, and we'll go into detail with him in terms of what the scenario looks like for this coming weekend for the big uh, Western Women's Canadian Football League final. Uh, and then after that, we're going to dive into uh, the situations going on with Paula uh, Blanco of the Central Florida uh, Anarchy, uh, the player that was injured during the Pulse uh, Orlando shootings. And uh, once again, our, our condolences to the family of Corey Canal uh, for, um, you know, just one of those incidents that just it's devastating to lose uh, a child. And we hope everything is, is better now in some, in some instances. But uh, Paula obviously still recovering, so Holly Custis will come in uh, a little bit after, at about 45 after, give us an update on what's going on with the fundraiser, um, what's going on with the t-shirt sales, and, uh, you know, the GoFundMe as well, and kind of give you an idea of, you know, the support and where you can get the links for the support and where you can go get uh, so we can help out the Central Florida Anarchy family and team out there in Florida. So uh, let's go into the No Joke Football uh huddle and we're going to go into it in about 15 minutes i do have some announcements to make i'm very excited today today has been a huge week uh for us here at the uh great iron beauties brand and on social media as well and uh, today we had the pleasure of announcing two uh what, what i consider two big superstars in the international scene and they were on the biggest uh biggest stage um, um phoebe uh, Skessler and uh, Allison Rodriguez. Uh, Phoebe plays for the Birmingham Lions, who won the uh, BAFA Women uh, National Championship three times in a row now. She's, she was also a great contributor of the Great of Britain team that won the uh, uh, FIFA or the the Euro Championship uh, in the uh, in the uh, IFAF World Championship. I can't speak today for some reason. Um, and we have also have Allison. Uh, Allison uh, Rodriguez, who is part of the Barcelona Buffalo squad in the uh, in the FIFA Sp- underscore Spain, and she's also part of the uh, Spanish national team. So I'm very happy to welcome them to the No Joke Football brand family, and we look forward to uh, a couple of the shoots they're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks here coming up. And there are a couple shoots already up there on Instagram on their accounts, so uh, we'll have the links put out this coming week. You can go to our Facebook page uh, and. We ended up posting the updates today on a breaking news, and we've made the commitment to them, and they made a commitment to us to grow the sport, to bring not just attention to our brand, but also to bring attention to the women's game. And so we're really happy for that. And the awesome weekend in the women's gridiron action highlighted via YouTube on Legends Football League. It was the Atlanta Steam's first game out in 2016. Uh, it was a big 77-0 to beating of the Omaha Heart. The Omaha Heart had previously won 26-6 against the other expansion, New England Liberty. This is a different level of football. This is a different squad. And this is the Atlanta team behind Dakota Hughes. And you also have Dina Kibrowski. And then you also have uh, Lauren Ziegler. So the the big, big steam victory, 77-0, probably the worst uh, loss for an LFL team in the history of the LFL. 
uh, in terms of a quarter and in terms of an ending. I think Philadelphia at one point had the record, but now it is held, obviously, by the Atlanta Steam. Um, so congratulations to them. You can watch the game, the 77-0 blowout, if you like, at Legends Football League on YouTube. The other game that was on this weekend was the Seattle Miss taking on the Dallas Desire. Dallas, a must-win at home at Dr. Pepper Arena. They needed to get the win, and they upset uh, the Seattle Mist for the big win, 26-21 behind Victoria Thomas. And we'll go into detail later on in the NFL uh, review and recap. So, And then this weekend, coming up, you have the uh, New England Liberty taking on the Chicago Bliss behind Jacinda Barkley. Uh, the Bliss 0-1 after a loss to the champs, uh, the Mist. They're looking to rebound and get a win, a must-win, to stay in contention with the uh, Eastern Conference, especially now that Atlanta has won and their point differential is huge. So we'll go into detail in a little bit after the hour. But uh, huge shout-out to everyone who has purchased a no-joke football chalk line tee from our Zazzle shop. Our Zazzle shop is at zazzle.com forward slash gridironbeauties. I want to give a shout-out to everybody that has purchased. Uh, every, every, from every purchase of the chalk line tees, $3 is given to the uh, Women's Gridiron Squad of Australia, Gridiron Australia Women's Squad, and our, our supporters there. We have various supporters out there. They're on the actual national squad, so every dollar that we get is going to be donated to them. Currently, we're at $100 in two months. We started this in May, so we're averaging about $50 a month. I know it's not much, but it, with the same token, it's something that we can actually give out and distribute to the squad for needs that they would obviously need within the next year. So we're going to work really hard to try to um, increase that revenue for them. So you, you can go to Zazzle.com at Zazzle.com forward slash Great Beauties. You can select uh, from the various tees. Make sure you use the codes, uh, the special codes daily, and you can save up to 50% off on any of the gear that's there. So you can get the same Chuck Light tee on our Zazzle shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Great Beauties and uh, help us uh, our project awareness and the Gridiron Australia Outback Girls fundraiser for the IFAB World Championships in 2017. I want to remind everybody as well, um, you can go to ultimatesportstalk.com, ultimatesportstalk.com, your number one source where you can get everything from NFL, NBA, MLB, as well as WWE and MMA updates and news. You can follow them on Twitter at uh, Ultimate Sports Talk, UTL Sports Talk or you can go to the website at ultimatesportstalk.com. So uh, I think we got pretty much everything online, but we're going to be excited this, this hour of talking football, women's football in general. And so um, we're going to be bringing on uh, Neil Rosenthal here in a couple minutes, as well as Nat Lotman, who's going to talk IWFL. In the IWFL picture, we're looking at the New York Sharks uh, taking on the Minnesota Vixen on the East Coast side. And then uh, this weekend, we'll go into detail. The, um, the Houston um, Wildcats uh, have the playoff game. If they lose, they go to the Founders Bowl. And if they win, they go to the actual national championship. Um, you have Utah Falcons this weekend. Uh, will be taking on the Carson Bobcats, uh, both teams undefeated in the IWFL. Obviously, Utah being the stronger squad. And then the um, – Carson Bobcats being the new, the new team on the block. So we'll see how that works out. So we're looking forward to that right now. So let's go ahead and go into the huddle and see if we got, uh, I believe we got Neil on now. So let's go in the huddle. 
huddle sponsored by Zazzle.com. And you can go to Zazzle, like I said, and save up to 50% off on tees and hoodies at Zazzle.com. Thank you. So, Neil, are you on? Yeah, hi, Oscar. How are you? I'm doing good, Neil. Uh, I'm just waiting here for uh, Nat. should be coming in here in a couple minutes. So um, what's this, you know, this this huge playoff scenario finally unravels uh, this week, and we finally get uh, the IWFL playoff format uh, going into play, and it looks like uh, we're going to have Utah Carson on one side, and then you have the winner of, uh, I guess, the Wildcats, whoever wins from the Wildcat game, is going to go to the founder. Uh, we'll go to the national championship to face either or. I think Utah or Carson, if I'm correct, at this point. And then you have the Founders Bowl on the other side, which is I think uh, Carolina, as well. And then you have Nebraska in the mix, also. So uh, it's just you know I'm gonna I gotta pull it up on my on my computer because I'm literally confused at this point. But go yeah, ahead and run well, us through you it. Said, you said you said unraveled. That's probably. Uh... That's probably an, uh, an appropriate choice of, of words for uh, for the uh, IPFL. Neil, Neil, let's go ahead and bring Nat in to the conversation okay. here. Uh, Nat, are you on? Yeah. Nat, are you Thank on? Thank you for having me. I am. Thank you All for right, having this me. This is Nat uh, Latman. This is the president of the Houston Wildcats of the IWFL. So Nat, welcome to the show. I'm on with uh, Neil and my and um, I don't have any co-host today, but you're on with Oscar Lopez and then uh, Neil Rosenthal, which you know very well. So uh, Neil, go ahead and uh, continue, and then I'll, I'll bring in Nat in uh, in terms of the the scope of things. Well, I was just saying, uh, yeah, the process for determining the playoffs in the IWFL was unbelievably chaotic. It was uh, a giant soap opera that lasted. I'd say, I'd say a good month at least in terms of trying to figure out how it was going to get sorted out. The interesting part is that uh, when you actually look at the IWFL playoffs for the ridiculously and unnecessarily rocky road that uh, the league went through to get to the playoff system, uh, the five teams that are in the actual IWFL playoffs, the top tier playoffs, uh, it's 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 actually pretty good. Some pretty good matchups and, and a pretty compelling. Uh, look at what you have. Uh, in fact, the five teams that are in the IWFL playoffs uh, are all undefeated teams. So you're going to have all undefeated matchups there, uh, largely because you've got teams that, are, that have been operating in geographically separate neighborhoods, uh, with the exception of um, you're going to have a conference semifinal game between the Carson Bobcats and the Utah Falcons. Uh, that one's coming up this weekend. Uh, this Saturday, that's the the conference, the one lone conference semifinal game uh, between Carson and Utah. Those two are not geographically isolated. They're actually in the same division. For some reason, the IWFL does not have them play. So you're going to have those two undefeated teams squaring off in Salt Lake City this weekend in the conference semifinal game. Then that will set up uh, uh, the two conference championship games. In the East, you're going to have the New York Sharks going to the Minnesota Vixen. Uh, which is a very, very exciting game. I mentioned that uh, a while back, and and uh, once we get closer to that game, I'll, I'll, it's it's, it's going to be a very exciting game from a historical standpoint. And then you're going to have the Austin Yellow Jackets, who were crowned the winners of the uh, Central Division in the IWFL. They will be playing the Utah Carson winner now. 
Uh, it's still not entirely certain uh, how home field is going to be divvied out in that one. I think Austin is traveling to play the Carson-Utah uh, winner regardless of who wins. Uh, I thought at one point maybe if Carson pulls the upset, maybe Carson might have to travel, but I think Austin's on the road regardless uh, to play, uh, heading to the West Coast to play the Utah-Carson winner. Hasn't been confirmed. Very little gets confirmed, but that I think will be your Western Conference Championship game uh, with the two teams, uh, the two conference champions to play in Charlotte for the IWSL title. Uh, the Founders Bowl, as uh, we have Nat, uh, uh, Nat on the line from the Houston Wildcats, they're getting uh, going in a, in a Founders Bowl uh, quarterfinal this weekend. Uh, that's the only Founders Bowl quarterfinal uh, you're going to have the Houston Wildcats going up to Nebraska, playing the Nebraska Stampede. Uh, the winner of that would play the Carson-Utah uh, loser. Uh, the team that loses that game will play the Nebraska-Houston winner. Uh, and then uh, in the east you have uh, the Madison Blaze uh, playing the Carolina Phoenix in, the, in a Founders Bowl semifinal. So basically it's, uh, it's, it's kind of two five-team brackets with uh, the, the, the lone twist being the fact that you, the Utah-Carson outcome will not only determine who goes to the conference championship, it will also determine who drops to the Founders Bowl, uh, who will then play in the consolation bracket after that. So that's the setup in the IWFL, kind of convoluted. Uh, but like I say, some pretty good matchups once you get past how it is that we actually got to those matchups. So, uh, Neil, uh, at this point, it seems like things were you know, we were highly critical at one point on the on the on the job, you know, on the on the group boards. Highly critical because of the late, uh, late, you know, issue of the playoff bracket format. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's been customary in the IWFL for a long time in that way, I guess, from what I'm told from everybody else. So, uh, Nat, let's bring you into this fold here. Uh, Neil put up put up a you know sort of a an overview of what happened with your club and how things just. Uh, you know, were kind of unraveled in terms of not knowing where you stood, uh, whether you were going to play that extra game that obviously was rained out or couldn't, could not be played. So bring us into the fold about how you, you know, how the frustration level went with the organization at this point with it, with the league, uh, given the fact that the makeup game was supposed to, uh, was confirmed on May 17th. So bring us up to speed on that aspect. Well, you pretty much know what happened. Uh, May 7th, we, we had a game scheduled against Austin on, I think it was on May 14th. And it, in Houston, we were going through torrential uh, flood, flash floods and thunderstorms. So, you know, Houston Independent School Districts will be play. And for every time they saw a lightning strike, it delayed the game 30 minutes. So the, the superintendent from the school district actually canceled the game because of weather. And three days later or four days later on the 17th, we had a makeup date which was scheduled for, uh, for last Saturday. And, and we found out uh, the Friday, uh, I don't know the exact date, but eight days before the, the, the game was scheduled to play that, that the game was canceled. And so uh, the reason for the game being canceled, as Neil has pointed out in his articles, is is there was there's three teams that are that are in the the hunt for the championship, Austin, Nebraska, and us. And 
Nebraska had a scheduling issue with getting their eighth game scheduled. And, and so there's a, in the league, in, a, in our last delegate meeting, we had discussed uh, that if teams didn't play eight games, there would be a penalty assessed basically that would have precluded Nebraska from, uh, from, from making the championship last game. So it, at no falls in Nebraska is the reason why the league took action. And rather than give Nebraska a forfeit victory because they had a game scheduled against the, the Thundercats and the Thundercats uh, didn't have a team that, that they could field. Uh, so rather than just give Nebraska the victory and then have us play Austin, excuse me, uh, the league decided just to cancel our game with Austin and thus have those, the three teams that are, that are in, competing for the championship uh, all play seven games. So it, it was, as you can, as you can be well aware that, uh, you know, canceling um, a game that's 25% of our, of our income, uh, actually it's about 40% of our income, it's 25% of our home games with playoff consideration on the line, it didn't go over very well. And, you know, and, and we've gotten some flack of how we've handled it. And, you know, and you, you, you can't put yourself in our shoes if, you, if you're not in our shoes. And, and going in and trying to explain to, to 30 girls that have, or ladies that have busted their, their ass for the last six months working four days a week to get to the point of competing for a championship, to have it yanked out from under your feet uh, with really no explanation other than that we're trying to balance out the, 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 the number of games is, is very difficult. And all the, all the, you know, we want to try to make it fair. We want to try to make it fair is all great. Um, but all the league had to do was just give, give them a victory and let us play Austin. And so like Neil said, they, you know, they beat us. Um, they beat us fair and square in Austin. And we were, we were, you know, hopefully return the favor, beating them by more than 11. And then we would be the conference champions. But, but you know, that, that wasn't the cards that were dealt. We're dealt Nebraska on uh, on this coming Saturday, and we're going from there. Now, Nat, I know you know everybody uh, in the group boards thought that uh, we were going over the top with opinions, and uh, there were some people that voiced their concerns on there where this should have been an internal manner only and should never be disclosed. But I don't understand why the secrecy happens so much in this league than it does in any other league. And why there's such a hesitant to uh, just to say, well, no, no, nobody needs to know any of this because of that. And then uh, to come out and say, uh, okay, well, you know, only the fans don't need to know any of this. Well, you know, you can't grow a brand or a, a franchise. Imagine if the NFL did that. Imagine if the NFL just kept everything internal and they didn't tell anybody about a game that was canceled and not get the fans involved. You know, the, the aspect of it is you have to create fan base and, and some of the fans, you have diehard fans in each franchise, even in women's football, you have diehard fans, loyal fans that come to each game to support family or players or however they want to support the team. Right. But then, you know, they take time off from work, they do all this stuff, but to come out and say that this is a matter between the league and the teams and that the fans shouldn't have a say uh, to me, I thought it was pretty insulting in that way because the fans make make the fans are basically the ones that that pay. So if if you have that mindset, that means this is a recreational league and not a professional league. That was my attitude. Well, I want to I want to say this 
uh, real quickly, just so that listeners really understand what, what is happening here, is that you had a situation where Austin was 7-0, and Houston was 6-1, and Nebraska was 6-1. and Houston's only loss was a 10-point loss to Austin. They had their final regular season game was scheduled on June 18th, Final week of the regular season. Uh, it was it was a, a makeup game from an earlier from the earlier rainout. If they had won, if they had beaten Austin by more than ten points, then you know they would have had the tiebreaker over Austin, and you would have had a mess essentially in the division because the IWFL only wants one team from the division in the playoffs, and yet you'd have three teams all with one loss, sort of jumbled at the top of this division. So what the IWFL decided to do to simplify it was just say, okay, Austin's seven and zero, Nebraska and and Houston are both six and one. We're just going to cut the regular season off. We're just going to cut that final regular weekend off. We're going to cancel all the games from that regu- from the final regular season weekend, and we're going to call it done. And I've told people this. I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter what your team is. If you were six and one, and your only loss was to another team that was seven and zero and you were scheduled to play them in the regular season finale, and you lost to them the first time by 10, and you didn't feel like you maybe played your best game or whatever else, and now they're coming to your place to play, you would honestly believe that you could beat them and go to the play- and at least get the tiebreaker, have a shot to go to the playoffs, everything else. For, the, for a league to step in at that point and say, we're canceling the final regular season game, we're not even going to give you the chance to do that. I don't care what team it is that you play for, what team it is that you root for. It would be such an enormous betrayal of what you have seen as 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 trying to actually legitimately compete. And and the notion that oh well this, you know, these these kinds of things should be handled internally. This is one of those things you cannot handle this internally. Like I don't even know how you would handle this internally. The reality of the situation is fans are going to be interested in who makes the playoffs in your league. Like, there are a few things that fans are going to be interested in just regardless, and one of them is who makes the playoffs? Like, who's going to play in the playoffs? Like, if that's not something that a league is interested in conveying to the fans, then, what you know, what are we even doing here? Like, the playoffs, it, it, it's such a huge thing. Who's going to make the playoffs? It's It's one of the most fundamental things that we're interested in. So for the for the even the thought that maybe this could be handled privately, there's there's no way that this you know this particular action that was taken by the IWFL was so outrageous and so egregious that I you know it's it's impossible to think that it could have ever been handled privately because what the league has done in that sense and basically scrapping the final weekend of games and saying we're just going to use the, the, the standings as of the second to last week, that's it, is, is, is so unheard of in women's football or in any sport that, of course, it was going to draw headlines. And it's, it's just absolutely insane that, that the league would, would go to that length and then not to, to revisit or reconsider that decision. It's, it's just mind-boggling. It really is. So, so, so now um, – wait. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nat. Okay, I just want to say that if, if they had given Nebraska the victory and Nebraska was 7-1, we were 7-1, and, and we had beaten Austin by more than 11, we would have traveled on, on the 25th to Nebraska for a, a winner, winner goes to play the, 
the winner of the Utah Carson game and the loser would have gone to the Founders Bowl, similar to what Utah and Carson's going through. So that would have all worked out had had that had that last week have happened, um, but you know it didn't. So Nat, um, we don't want to get into you know personality clashes and uh, negativity in, in in a lot of light, but I mean at this point. Uh, in my view, as a fan, as an outsider, because I don't deal with any of anybody on the IDF, IWFL side. Uh, primarily, I deal with most everybody in the WFA for the most part. So I'll be upfront with that. And I know that you know uh, Neil's gotten you know criticized for obviously being more of a WFA homer, if you want to call it, than an IWFL uh, you know supporter, which he's both. It's, you know, it's the sport. But Nat, in, in terms of your conversation with you know uh, the ownership in terms of the league ownership structure, it, it, why wasn't this playoff bracket like disclosed to you before week one so that everybody knows, you know, if, is it a tiebreaker? Uh, is it going to be mono point differential? You, you know what I mean? It just, it's, you wait till eight weeks la- late in the season and then you t- totally figure out, Oh crud, you know, uh, I mean, somebody this more thoroughly and, and my only assessment of this league, in the last three years that I've watched this league is this is a recreational uh, run league. It is not a professional league because no professional league does this. And so, I mean, I'm not going to voice my discomfort with the branding because, you know, it's part of the women's game, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you, you can just, you know, disclose your discomfort because you're internally involved into it. But you know, the fact that, like you said before, how it affected the team, and how it affected fan base in general, and then revenue, okay? So if the league doesn't feel like revenue is a big deal, I mean, that I have, I have a big issue with that because that's business. This is, this is an entity. This is no different than a subway in a lot of ways. You're trying to go a brand to bring in fans so you can sustain sales. You've got to make sales, you know what I mean? You're not in it just for, for fun like the YMCA, and if you are, then obviously you need to get out because you're throwing money away. Well, let me just give you another bit of, tid, uh, you know, some some other information. Then I'll answer your first question. So not not only not not only did we not get the fourth game, but we had committed to a stadium. And when we knew this game was going to be scheduled, we knew that the WFA was off. There was no other games going to be that day. We looked at it as a marquee game. I mean, this this is for all the marbles, pretty much. I mean, we got yes, we'd have to go to Nebraska, but this is for pretty much the, we had to win by eleven. And so we have a we have a good um, for our first year, we have a very good fan base. You know, most of the cities that we go, we have more of our visiting fans than they have home fans, which, which is great for us as far as for being a first-year team. We committed to a stadium. We committed to entertainment. We committed to, to having the game, uh, you, you know, broadcasted or streamed over the Internet. So we had $5,100 worth of money that was committed to the game. That was that was on non-cancelable contracts. So, so when the IWFL canceled the game, they didn't only cancel, you know, us getting to beat Austin and getting to move on to the championship. They canceled the fact that, and that they didn't seem to care that we had money that in 30 days from, from, from three days ago, I'm going to get a bill for $5,100 that I have to pay and I have no game. So, Nat, Nat, to be fair, to be fair to the league, were they notified of, of this arrangement? Of course. Of course. Okay. So, you know, um, yeah, you, yeah, I mean, yes they, yes, they were. So let me go back to your other question about, about the playoff standings. 
we were all aware of the playoff standings from, from our delegate meeting back in last November. So that, that was not a surprise to us. So as, as the season was progressing, I knew the formula. Okay, so no, no fault to Nebraska because Nebraska came, came into the league late. They weren't at the delegate meeting, and they probably didn't even know about this. And, and um, meaning that if they didn't play eight games, they were going to get penalized. So Nebraska had, and, and I found this out like in week 10, that Nebraska had a game scheduled in week one against Iowa. And, and the league did Nebraska's schedule. So, so there, was some, there was some communication or some issues with the schedule between Nebraska and Iowa, and the game never, never happened. Um, Iowa said they weren't notified, they never agreed, whatever. I mean, this is hearsay, right, because I wasn't part of the conversations. But at the end of the day, that game was taken off the schedule, and, and so Nebraska proceeded with a seven-game schedule. Well, when week 10 came around and they finally found out that they were going to be excluded because they didn't have eight games, obviously they were upset. And they tried to do what they could do to try to get an eighth game. They ended up finding a game. That team couldn't field the team. And here we are. So at the end of the day, um, the Wildcats nor, nor the Yellow Jackets had anything to do with, with Nebraska's not being able to get an eighth game. That was between the league and Nebraska. And so, you know, ultimately we were, we were, our game was canceled. And, and so, you know, we're moving on to the Founders Bowl tournament. All right. So at this point, it's a satisfactory. Uh, is it satisfactory to you not to not to play for the national championship, but instead play for the Founders Bowl? Do I really need to answer that? What? No. Do I need to answer that question? No. We, we, we're, we're not, you know what? I'm I'll, just I'll teasing. You I'm just teasing I'll, you. Yeah. I mean, they'll they'll make do. I'm sure. But I mean, of course they will. It's it's it's, it's no, a no, consolation no. Let, let me to be t- sure. Let me tell you this. When this news came down, and, and, and there was talk about us, of the IWFL revisiting it and whatever, and, and, you know, and, and, uh, when the, but when the news came down that, that, they, that, that, this, was gonna, that this was where it was going to be, we took a team vote, and our team vote was 34 to nothing to not go to the Founders Bowl. And, and so, you know, that, that was our direction. When the, when the actual vote came, when the actual information from the IWFL came down that they were not going to revisit it, and that we should make arrangements with Nebraska, we took another team vote. And at that point, the the players who are who are competitors, who who play the game to win, decided that they didn't want their season to end. And so that's why. So the, the it was a players' vote. Uh, to, go, to go to the Founders Bowl, and, and it was just, you know, we have three players that are retiring, and we didn't want them going out like this. So uh, do, do, we, do we want to compete for the championship? Absolutely. Uh, are, we, are we satisfied competing with the Founders Bowl? Not at all. That's, a, that's, that's, that's the cards we're dealt, and we're going we're gonna to do our best. Okay, so Nat, I will tell you uh, from a fan's perspective, if you do win the Founders Bowl, that means overcoming Carson or Utah, uh, given whoever is going to be the loser. Uh, I know Nebraska's tough, so I'm not giving you the win yet. But if you do move on past Nebraska, as I say, uh, it's going to be a huge hurdle. And if you do win it all, uh, I, you know, I will have to uh, agree with you. Crappy way, because it could have gone on the other bracket. And, uh, you know, given the way the Sharks have played and Minnesota has been playing uh, and Austin – 
yeah, I think it would have been nicer to go to the other bracket because then it, it would have been kind of equal competitiveness in that sense. But uh, it is what it is. So uh, at this point, you're still playing for some some form of a championship. So I guess it's it's what it is then. You know, we we just want we just I mean we just wanted it to be determined on the field, and and that's and that's all we asked for is is to have the have the championship the conference championship determined on the field, and not in the boardroom, and you know, and like they like they say you know we're, we're Nebraska's going to be a tough a, a tough team they're they're uh, but you know we look forward to going to Nebraska this week and and and. And maybe Carson the following week if if Utah prevails and and we'll see where we go. Yeah, I'm I'm I don't know. Uh, we've talked about it before, but um, I think your prediction's right on money. I, I, as good as Carson seems, uh, Utah has Utah just it's just almost it's, it's good. You know, you got to just say they're good. And so, I mean, they're putting up juggernaut points. And even if they don't put that many points up, uh, Carson has not put up that much numbers. So I mean we're not gonna you know we're not gonna make Carson less of competitive but when the you know when the chips fall as they say uh, they got to stay uh, neck and neck with an offensive juggernaut and that's highly unlikely so if you do get past a stampede at this point uh, to your point then we get Carson very tough they're gonna be probably tough uh, which is uh, you know a club from the original bracket that you should have been should have been in if you want to say that. So uh, it's going to be great. I mean, uh, at this point, it's going to be great. So, you know, it, Houston, uh, you guys have branched out. You guys have done things differently. I know Laura uh, can, uh, Cantu, you know, she was playing for the energy before that. And so, uh, I, you know, we have to give you guys hat, you know, a shout-out and hats out, you know, all that, because you guys have done tremendously well in the first-year structure with budgeting and things like that. And I know it's it's not an easy Thing to start a you know a women's football club because a lot of people have done it and a lot of people have faltered over the years that I've covered it. So you know it's a credit to leadership and it's a credit to you know like you said dedicated players um, and then growing the fan base makes you know that's just a big difference. So we we would have to applaud you guys for having a great first year season and being in a playoff contention. Well, thank you. You know it's. Um... I tell people all the time that when we talked about starting this team, I, I, I met Laura a year ago and a couple of weeks, about 54 weeks ago. And there's nobody that if I was going to, I would never have started a team if I didn't know Laura and, and know what kind of player she is and person she is. But she's, um, you know, it, when, when you have, when you have a, a hall of fame type player that, that's joining your team, it, it definitely gives the team some instant credibility. And we were able to go get players. I mean, yeah, a few players came over from the energy, but but we we got players that played in in uh, in the like the lingerie leagues and 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 just players that never played before that are really making a difference, and it's all because of hard work, and in in, in the players they love competing they love you know it, it, they they just they just love the game, so that, that helps a lot. So Nat, going forward, do you feel like internally uh, the IWFL needs to somehow make adjustments at this point, or is it something that we just kind of, you know, overblown? We just took it and just kind of like ran with it to a, to a, kind of a ridiculous state. So what's your, what's your, you know, what's your take on that right now? Well, I think you need to ask Neil, what would happen if, if the, uh, if the divas were, were one game out and they got, and they got their game pulled and, 
you know, I've I've, yeah, you know, I've said this many times. You know, I don't care who the team is. If you are a top-flight team, and you know this could be this could be Austin. If Austin was in this position, you know, I mean, the Austin Yellow Jackets. I mean, they're 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 benefiting from this. And like I say, this whole situation is lousy for them because the reality is is they were undefeated, and now they're almost on the defensive, trying to justify to their fans and to outside folks why they were just essentially handed the title. But listen. They're confident that if they would have played Houston, they think they would have beat them again, I'm sure, because, you know, they're competitors. They think they'd win just like Houston, uh, I'm sure, thinks they would win. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, if even if the shoe were on the other foot, if you were a team like Austin who had they lost that game by 10 points and then was going to play, you know, they were, you know, Houston was the one who was 7-0 and Austin was 6-1 and and Austin was getting ready to play them you know, uh, in the regular season finale. And then the IWFL came in and said, nope, game's canceled. It's over. You don't get you don't get a shot at redemption, which was on the schedule for weeks and weeks and weeks. They'd be furious about that as competitors. And, you know, if oh, it yeah. was on that, the I other mean, foot for any team, yeah. for any competitive team, if you were in that situation, you'd just be, I mean, you'd be livid. So the the fact that right. is this, has this situation been overblown? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This situation hasn't been overblown. This is absolutely outrageous treatment of a league toward a team. Should it be fixed? Of course it should be fixed. Will it be fixed? That depends on how much faith you have in the IWFL leadership. And you know my personal stance on that. We'll see how other teams react in the offseason to this kind of thing because it really does cut to the heart of the competitive integrity of the league when you have this much lack of transparency as far as who gets to make the playoffs. And that's a very, very important thing for any competitive sports entity. It's, it's, it's extremely important to the entire integrity of the game. Well, Neil, let me, so let me now, tell you that, you know, go ahead. Let me tell you that the transparency amongst the teams was, is clear. We all know, we all knew from day one from, from the delegate meeting that the top team was advancing, that, that we, it, it was laid out. There was no surprises coming into, excluding the game being canceled. There was no, there was no surprises as far as the, how the brackets laid. We knew. Now, the IWFL didn't post it on their page, but, so the fans didn't know, but the teams knew. You know, one, to, to, to correct one thing else that, that you said, Neil, is that, and this is my opinion, is that if Austin wanted to play us, they would have played us. There, there was there was discussions going on about about getting that game in, and at the end of the day, it, it never happened. So, um, you, you know, it's like they had nothing. They really had nothing nothing to play for besides proving that they could beat us. They had a ticket to the final four, and and they'd have to gamble that ticket. So would it yeah. would it be a big right. payday? Of course it would. Of course it would. So I mean there was right. there was talks that it was going to be a playoff game and it would be in Austin and I'm like so wait we could we could play this as a playoff game and play in Austin to get that and then give them a gate when we're owed that game. I think it the, just didn't make sense. Yeah, I think the well, reality think, of the year is yeah the, the the conference setup the conference setup should have been different. You, you shouldn't have had Carson and Utah on the same on the same side. I mean, the goal at the end of the year is to not have four undefeated teams. The goal at the end of the year is to have two standing teams in each conference. And that, that makes it for less confusion. You know what I mean? So scheduling is a big key there. Somebody has to really analyze the scheduling. 
And I know there's well, yeah, factors there with travel. Yeah, you're talking about like car stuff. That makes no sense. That's what but I'm that, talking can about. I just, so, can, I just, but that was, can I just say – go ahead. Can I just say quickly – can I just say quickly about transparency? The one thing that I'll say, and, and, you know, when you're comparing, you know, the WSA and the IWSL, it may have been very clear to the teams involved. I don't, I, you know, I can't speak to that because I'm not a team. I will say from the outside looking in, when you look at the WSA, once, you know, they determine a lot of things based on Massey ratings. Once the final Massey ratings came out at the conclusion of the regular season, I went on Facebook and I said, here are the anticipated playoff brackets for WFA Tier 1 and WFA Tier 2, because the Massey ratings was the final piece. And once those came out, I literally went, went online immediately after that, and I said, here's the anticipated bracket for Tier 1, here's the anticipated bracket for Tier 2. And within an hour of that, the WFA came out and essentially confirmed exactly what I had laid out in terms of what we had all anticipated because the WFA's rules were very, very clear. Number of teams who were going to make it in, how the seedings were going to work, how home field advantage was going to be determined. That was all laid out in advance. So once the Massey ratings came out, I said, here's what we expect. And within an hour, the league came back and said, yep, that's the playoff bracket. It was all very, very clear. And you contrast that with the IWFL where we're sitting here five days after the conclusion of the regular season and nobody has any idea Who's in the playoffs? Who's in the Founders Bowl? Who's got home field? I mean, again, you know, this notion that Austin's going to play at Carson or at Utah the winner. I'm assuming Austin's going on the road, but I don't know that for certain. And the league hasn't come out and said, yep, that's the way it's going to be. I'm just taking a guess here. And the fact that you have five days after the regular season in the IWFL and nobody knows what the brackets are yet, that's the difference when you're talking about transparency. Because no league works that way. No actual league, whether it's the NFL and NBA, and, you know, you can't make comparisons to these pro leagues, but, you know, something like that transparency in terms of here's your playoff bracket, that doesn't cost money. That doesn't cost millions and millions of dollars. That's a simple fact of communication and laying things out and running your league well. That's really the difference in in terms of comparisons between those two outcomes is that, you know, you can't be sitting around four or five days after the season wondering who's in the playoffs. It's ridiculous. The issue will be, the issue will be, like I said, you know, and Nat Nat can speak to that more so than anything. The issue will be the off season and how that gets structured out more clearly so that we don't have this debate season in season out. So uh, Nat, I, I don't want to put you on a hot seat, but is this something that you and Laura are going to sit down and evaluate, whether uh, being in the IWFL is, is beneficial for the Wildcats at this point, or is this something you can't disclose yet? Right now we have Nebraska in our mind, and, and that's as far as we're going at this, at this currently. Um, so All right, fair enough. We're, we're not, those, are, those are off-season questions, and, and fortunately our season is, is still going. And so, you know, at the end, it, when this is all over, hopefully uh, on July 24th, you know, we can, we can sit back and look at it and, and, and then we'll make a, a decision. But um, to today, that's, I mean, believe me, I've been giving a lot of feedback. And, uh, and so, and so, but yes, we're, we're not, we're not thinking about that right now. Uh, but just, just Perfect. as far as like the, but I think Austin, if, if Carson beats Utah, uh, Carson would come to Austin. They stop points, points against. So, there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, that makes yeah, sense. See, my, my, my if if uh, Utah wins, I would, say, uh, I would say Austin travels to Utah. That's, uh, I mean, that would yeah. make sense. So. Yeah. Correct. 
But if Carson wins, just, I'm not so sense. sure. I think I think Austin would actually go to Carson. I, that's my understanding. Now, you know, I, I'm I'm not sure if that's correct, but so we'll figure that uh, out Carson this week. And 90, the, Carson gave the up results. 96 points, and and Austin gave up 33. So, right, that's what I'm saying. So, so if you go by point right. differential, I would say uh, the Yellow Jackets host the game be, no matter what right. at this point. Because no, no, no. All right, no, so Nat, yes. Go ahead. No. I'm I'm just saying that if 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 Nebraska, I mean if if Utah wins, then Austin would go to Utah. If Carson wins, then Carson would come to Austin. Right, right, exactly. That, okay. Um, so uh, Nat, we're going to wish you well, <laughs> and uh, this this weekend's big, especially for both of you, Nebraska and yourselves, because this is literally moving on. And if you move on, either or of you move on, you guys are going to face pretty much uh, some good quality teams. So, um, you know, we'll break it down and we'll look forward to this Saturday in terms of, you know, what the uh, bracket's going to look like in terms of moving on. So um, if you do win this weekend and we don't get to talk to you any time sooner than that, uh, we wish you well this weekend against uh, the Nebraska Stampede. Thank you for having me. All right, Nat, have a great uh, afternoon. Really appreciate it, and thank you for coming on at short notice and uh, addressing that for us on the radio. Talk thank you. Later. Have a great night. All right, so, Neil, uh, let's finish up the bracket here. So we're looking at your historic matchup, which is uh, New York taking on Minnesota once this, all, once this, this uh, game this weekend happens. So we're going to look at Carson or Utah taking on Yellow Jackets, which we already know, one or the other. And then we have Sharks at Vixen. So a prediction before we get out of here. We've only got about five more minutes uh, on this, and then I got somebody else coming on. So I got Holly coming on here as well. Um, so you think you, you think Sharks, Minnesota? Minnesota has looked tough. Minnesota has Kristen uh, Herbert, and uh, you got Mulligan on the other side. So uh, both of them have proven this season that they're pretty much neck and neck. So um, – I am giving the edge at this point to the Minnesota defense. So I don't know if, you know, what your take is on on that end. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh it's a little ways off from that game yet, but it's uh uh that's going to be it's it's going to be a terrific game. They're both undefeated and it's hard to know because they're both in completely separate neighborhoods. So, you know, they both kind of dominated or not dominated necessarily but they've all won fairly convincingly against their own competition uh, in their own, in their own region, good enough to go undefeated. And uh, uh, the New York Sharks have had a couple of, they've had a couple of closer scares in particular uh, against say the Montreal Blitz, uh, which might make you a little bit more nervous about them. But the one thing that I do like about them, you know, I, I mean, again, if you look at the New York Sharks, they've had, you know, three games this season that have been decided by less than a touchdown. So they've actually been really, really pushed in a way that Minnesota Vixen haven't. Normally that's kind of a red flag if you, if you have a team sort of flirting with that. But in this particular case, I just I, I think a lot of the Carolina Phoenix, I think a lot of the Montreal Blitz, I think a lot of the teams that, uh, that the New York Sharks have played, uh, enough so that, you know, if 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 I was forced to make a pick, I'd probably, even though they're going on the road, and even though it's a long, long way away, um, kind of, I, I I'd have to give it a very, very slight edge to the New York Sharks. 
there's something about All right. the Sharks where, you know, I feel like it's I feel like it's their time, but heaven knows the Minnesota Vixens feel like they've been waiting long enough. So, you know, it's it's going to be a fantastic yeah, match, either way. I can tell you that. I know, I know, Laura. I know Laura Brown. Uh, you know, obviously feels that her team is ready to go, and this is this is a big matchup. So, this is probably the biggest matchup in the league in terms of that date. It'll be the biggest matchup. I mean, not to take away from Utah or Austin, but you know, the historical uh, significance of this game uh, will be everybody's uh, everybody's going to be watching July ninth. Um, <laughs> On the other side, uh, based on you know Nat's team either taking off the taking off Nebraska, they will face Utah or Carson, which is a heavy obstacle. Uh, I'm not going to give the edge to any of those teams until the, you know we figure out next week what it looks like. But on the other side, it's pretty clear it's going to be Carolina, former champs in the IWFL, taking on Minnesota, uh, the Madison Blaze. Madison has been in a playoff push consistently for the last couple of years. They just cannot seem to get over the hump. So I just don't know if Madison has enough offensive power because I know Carolina has very good offensive power and a good running game. So I would have to edge, give the edge to Carolina at this point. Yeah, that's that's an interesting game, really, because you know the Carolina Phoenix have had a very good season. I, I again, I'm not entirely sure <laughs> how these brackets and things get set up. I don't know why the you know, I, I just like to quickly say, I don't know why the Montreal Blitz aren't involved in any of this. I mean, the poor Montreal Blitz, if you look at the Blitz, they've only lost two games, and both of them to the New York Sharks. And, you know, both of those games they lost by a combined six points. I mean, they lost by one, and then they lost again later by five. I mean, this is – and those are the only two losses are to the New York Sharks, who I happen to think are very, very, very good. Again, no disrespect to the Minnesota Vicks, and I think they're they're excellent. But, but I, I, I think I, – think the New York Sharks are, are probably the best team at the e, in the East right now. Carolina, on the other hand, they they lost at home to New York and, and fairly convincingly. Um, so I don't know why the, the Montreal Blitz aren't involved in this, but if you're putting the Carolina Phoenix against the Madison uh, uh, Blaze, look, Madison is a team, you're right, they have a lot of experience traveling. Last year was epic in terms of how much they were able to travel to go to all these games. Um but at the same time, you know, Carolina, I, you know, just due to, I think, the strength of, of the teams that they've been playing. And the other thing that I like with Carolina is the fact that they're playing for an opportunity to play in the Founders Bowl, which, by the way, is right in their hometown. I mean, I think that's one of the things that gets overlooked. Carolina Phoenix are playing for an opportunity to play a Founders Bowl in Charlotte, which is going to be right in their backyard. So because of that, because of that motivation and everything else, um, I, you know, I, I, I like the Carolina Phoenix to, uh, uh, to have a good shot at maybe knocking off Madison and getting an opportunity to play a Founders Bowl at home. I think that would be a, uh, a nice thing for the Carolina Phoenix, uh, to be able to do. So I like that, but, but Hey, if anybody can travel down there and, and get a win, it's, it's, it's a team that's as travel tested as Madison is. So we're going to, uh, everybody will be listening on the group board. So everything we said today is going to be <laughs> criticized, but let's just say everybody's fair game at this point. Our predictions really, our predictions really mean nothing at this point until the game is played. So I'm pretty sure the Blaze will have a different opinion. I'm predictor than Stephen A. Smith is. I'll, I'll say that. My prediction Okay, there you go. More often there you go. You had to come out. That had to come out from you. I know you're, it was bugging you probably the whole week. <laughs> 
I, I can I just say on record, I think he goes, he just completely goes off the edge, and he has no idea what he's talking about. Sometimes, <laughs> I, I think the glory of him being on TV sometimes overtakes his opinions. Uh, but that's you know that's me. So, anyways, uh, you know, no different than the NBA hating on LeBron most of the time. So, uh, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. Um, anyways, uh, Neil, thank you for coming on. We'll talk a WFA uh, aftermath next Tuesday. Uh, this weekend, the, we discussed the matchups last weekend, so we're not going to go into detail. But uh, DC, your DC Divas taking on uh, Pittsburgh Passion, Hamlin versus Horton. It's the game of the week, not to take away from any other game on the WFA slate, but this is huge. Uh, current WFA champions taking on former I, two-time IWFL champion, the Passion. Looking forward to that game this weekend. So the rest of the brackets are on uh, WFAfootball.com. You can go into the playoff brackets there in terms of who's coming up. you got Boston, Chicago taking on, uh, you know, the Renegades without uh, Cahill taking on uh, Gore in Chicago. You also on the other side, and you have the uh, Chantel Wiggins, Destiny Jarborough, and the uh, Angels taking on the Pacific Warriors. Uh, and then you also have the Sour Sisters taking on the uh, Odessa Jenkins Juggernaut Elite. So it's going to be a huge weekend in the WFA. So um, we'll touch base next Tuesday in terms of the results of this weekend for the WFA around two. So thanks for coming in uh, with Nat and myself. I really appreciate it. You bet, Oscar, anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great uh, evening. Thanks, you too. All right, so let's bring in uh, Captain Crutches, uh, Holly Custis. And uh, Holly, are you on? Yes, I am. How you doing, lady? Good. How are you doing? We're doing good. My co-hosts are under flood warnings in D.C., so they couldn't make it for today's show. Oh, so I hope they're yeah, do- I hope they're I heard okay. That. Yeah. So uh, I'm hoping Troy and uh, and Kishi are doing good. I hope they didn't have to evacuate or anything like that because that's just a bummer. But uh, let's hope they're okay. Um, so Holly. Um, you just heard all the things that are going on. Uh, this is a big weekend for the WFA. Um, you know, it's basically the, the final eight, uh, in the, in the conference. So, uh, I'm pretty sure you're rooting for, uh, somebody. So, uh, I'm, and I'm sure it's Dallas because if Odessa is listening to us, she would probably tell you otherwise. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we're looking at Dallas taking on Kansas city, you know, Katie, uh, Katie and Liz get another shot at the uh, Dallas Elite, uh, Erica Bobo and, uh, and uh, Odessa Jenkins right there. And then on the flip side, you got the War Angels taking on the Pacific Warriors. The Warriors took care of uh, the Portland Fighting Shockwave up in the Northwest. Um, they faced before. This will be round three, but this is more significant because this is, for all the, this is to advance in a playoff format. So I'm pretty sure the Warriors are going to be hyped up more so than they were in the regular season. Um, so what's your take on those two at this point? Uh, Dallas, are you, are, is that a shoe in or do you think uh, the Titans have a, have a prayer as they say? Well, both games I think are going to be, you're right. We're down to the, you know, the final eight and this is where it gets really, really, uh, you know, interesting. I think Dallas, um, <clears throat> like, like I stated before, when they lost the championship game, they came into this season on a, uh, absolute mission, and I think that uh, while Casey, you know, has some obvious talent, I think Dallas's depth will eventually, 
uh, went out. Uh, but I definitely think Casey um, can make a fight out of it. Uh, but I, you know, I don't think I would want to be on the other side of the Dallas elite at the moment because I think they're just on a mission to roll over anybody that they can uh, get their hands on, basically. I, I will uh, be, Cal- you know what, uh, Holly, no, <laughs> no, no disrespect to uh, no disrespect to Kansas City, but if you had to lay money on Vegas, I think uh, you'd go with the the Jenkins crowd at this point. I just yeah, just, yeah. My feeling I mean right that's now. that's a that's a smart bet. I mean if you, if you're taking yourself uh, in the third person sense, that's a smart bet. However, that's why we play the games is because you you never really know until until it happens. Exactly. When we went down to play uh, San Diego last year in the second round. Nobody expected us to give them a fight, but we did for a solid half. We came out two touchdowns up until the wheels kind of fell off at the end. But um, you never know, and that's why we play the games. Um, uh, but Central Cal, I think, um, is also very driven. I think they, they probably feel maybe a bit overlooked um, because Dallas has gotten so much attention this year. But I know that Central Cal is historically good, and plus they've they've kind of cultivated some of the talent uh, around from, like, the San Diego team. And um, I know they've already played Pacific a couple times. And I think for Pacific, it's a great uh, thing for them that they beat Portland, you know, last week or last week. Um, but I think, again, Central Cal might have too much depth for them at this point, but we will see. I think that would be a more competitive game than the Dallas over Kansas City at this point. But, um, uh, again, I think we're getting to the point where, you know, no matter who wins, uh, all the teams remaining are definitely talented, um, and uh, I'm really excited to see what happens. Now, on the in the Eastern Conference, uh, a little bit more of a dogfight, um, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that. On the Western Conference, uh, the two teams in the West have already beaten those squads. And then on the East mm-hmm. Coast, it's kind of familiar foes more more so than anything. you got Chicago taking on uh, Boston. You can say uh, at this point the Renegades uh, are playing for their quarterback, who obviously got knocked out in mm-hmm. the game against Chicago. So, I mean, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, you're coming in with vengeance here, but you, this, is, this is, I think you're playing for a player at this point. Obviously, you move on to the you move on to the next round if you win it. But uh, having their quarterback go down in that game, I think coming into that game, uh, I think Boston really is going to you know try to work it into where uh, they they stay competitive, if not win it to win it. But Chicago is just so tough, you know, with so many weapons. You got Forno, you got uh, Gray, you got Gore, you got Barnett. Now, um, I mean, it's just, it's just you go down the line, you know, their line's really top-notch as well with some former uh, USA uh, squad members. So um, not to take anything away from, you know, obviously Adrian Pinnell, I mean, Adrian Smith, I'm sorry, Adrian Smith, uh, also top-notch, and you got other players, you know, Zeely's also top-notch. But, you know, the quarterback is going to be the question there, and can they stay competitively offensively against uh, Chicago, uh, which with Cahill going down, uh, they they were pretty much good good for about a quarter and a half or two, and then she goes down and they, they just get you know derailed. So it makes a big difference when you have a leader like that and it goes down. Now you're really hurting. So we'll see how that turns out. But that's the game that I think everybody's kind of anticipating in terms of how Boston will step up and can they stay with that. And then the other game um, is you know this is this is the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. This is this is you know. 
you know, the Kaepernick versus uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's his name in Seattle at this point? Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, this this is it. You know, this is this is uh, Ali Hamlin taking on Lisa Horton. This is uh, the current WFA champions taking on the two-time IWFL champs. I mean, you could not script it any better in a playoff format. This is this is the big one. Yeah, I think both games are going to be really exciting. I think with the Chicago-Boston game, I think if Boston had, um, you know, still had their quarterback, I it would. I don't know. I I might have I might have took Boston on uh, an upset, but I think knowing what I know, having played women's football for so long, it is so difficult when you lose your starting quarterback, especially in a very competitive team. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's very hard to develop depth of that position. Um, if teams have that depth, they are in the minority. Not many really do. Um, I mean, for us, it was a struggle. We got down to, like, our third and fourth string and, and trying to put it together, and we eventually did get it together. Um, our offense started to move a little bit better, you know, in the last few games. But that takes time. That's really difficult when you when you have played, especially, you know, from a cadence factor, it's something as simple as that. When the offensive line is used to somebody and, and how they uh, call, this, call the cadence and how they call the huddle, those little things matter. And it's tough because you don't have a lot of time to try to figure that out. And, and so – I think at this point, Boston is definitely going to have that emotional edge to them and want to play for their quarterback, but that experience level is is going to be tough to overcome. And so I think there, I think I would take Chicago. Uh, and in D.C. and Pitt, that's definitely going to be a fun game to watch. I think that might be of the four the most, I don't know, maybe competitive. Um, I think my gut is, this is kind of a gut check type of call, and I, I think I'm going to go with DC. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, uh, uh, this is their biggest test, and the mock on Pittsburgh is uh, they've always been number four, never, never, number one in the WFA. So coming into right. this game, uh, I think if anything has a drive, if any drive is in them, you know, Lisa and company, it's the fact to prove that they belong as a number one, number two talk. So the only right. way to do that is to beat well, to beat DC. They beat DC, then they move on to uh, you know the next round, and uh, we're looking at maybe Chicago at this point, given Boston's you know uh, offensive uh, woes. Uh, if Pittsburgh moves on from DC for whatever reason, they will get Chicago. And so if they can overcome Chicago and make it to the final round, uh, you would have to give them credit. That that would be three years in a row. That you would that they would go to the final, and and that that is that would be, huge. That would be that's, very very impressive, is, and and I think that is that Buffalo Bill too. Buffalo Bill mentality right there. Three three years in right. a row, four years in a row, and and lose it. But I mean, it would be impressive, don't you think? Even if the even if it's in the other league, but still, it would be, be impressive to come to a come back to the WFA and then go to. And we're not we're not gonna go that far yet, but you know, it's one game at a time, of course. But if, if, if Pittsburgh gets past D.C., they get Chicago. And if they get past Chicago, then they go to the finals. And more than likely, it's Dallas. So now, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I don't think Odessa will lose this one again. 
I'm just, just, just in my gut feeling, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, uh, but you know, it's a lot of games to be played still a lot of games, but it's, this is the marquee matchup. I think of the week of all the, um, the, the teams left not to take away from any of the other teams uh, because the other teams have played each other more. This they, Pittsburgh hasn't played DC ever, you know, in the whole season. So this is the most significant game in terms of the playoff is, you know, uh, can, can Pittsburgh overcome DC and will DC hold off Pittsburgh? You know, that's just really the, what it boils down to, but you got two great quarterbacks that you're going to be witnessing. And I, I think you're right. This will not be uh, a runaway train. This, this will be, you know, within a, within a touchdown or two touchdowns or within, a, within a couple points. Uh, they play similar styles. The both quarterbacks command uh, the pocket very well. They got good wide receivers on both ends. Uh, they get a, a very steady running game. Grisby versus Katoni. I mean, it's, it's this. This is just. This is almost NFL. So this is almost NFL like. Somebody tweeted at me. This is going to be NFL like football. You know, that you got to watch it. I mean, yeah, you got so many components. They're very. Uh, so many talented they're very set up. They're set up in a similar way, and I think you're right. It is kind of an NFL matchup in that it, it's, it's such a competitive matchup that it's not. It's not something you can easily pick, and I think because of that, you know, both of the quarterbacks are very experienced, and, and so what you're going to have happen is it's going to be, I think, probably coming down to turnovers, who can take care of the ball, um, because I think it's going to be one of those games that comes down to the last possession, so you know, if one team has a couple turnovers here and there, those extra possessions are going to be what, what turns the tide in the game. Agreed. Um, so, Holly, uh, now that you're picking D.C. over Pittsburgh, uh, I'm just joking. I'm just, I know you haven't picked, made your pick yet. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, Callie, uh, but, uh, or I mean, Lisa. Uh, well, you, you don't have to pick right now if you don't want to. It's up to you at this point. If you want I, to I, 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 but, it's one of those gut check games. Again, I could really go either way with this one. But my gut is just saying DC. But if I'm if I'm wrong, I mean I'm not surprised either. It's it's just a pick 'em game yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big matchup. I, I'm going to predict uh, a three point win by DC. Uh, just I'm just gonna I'm gonna predict a, a field goal at least a field goal. If I, I know these two quarterbacks too well, and they got weapons and they have good offensive lines. Otherwise, they wouldn't be standing tall right now to face each other if they didn't have very good quality offensive lines. So uh, hats off to the offensive lines in that sense to keep them upright. Um, so Holly, on the, on the fundraiser uh, for Paula, Bra- uh, Paula uh, Blanco, uh, any news or any updates at this point? I know I, I the last time I checked on the uh, GoFundMe, it was up over $7,000 or something like that. So it's, it's steadily growing. And then I don't know what the t-shirt sales were at this point, but I'm pretty sure I know I got mine ordered, so I don't I don't know if anybody else did their ordering or not through Mrs. Blair yeah. um, at the uh, girls, um, GeorgiaGirlsTackle.com. Yeah, so uh, I talked to uh, Shaylor Blair, who who is the one that set up um, uh, the the website for the T-shirts and got that all rolling pretty quickly. And um, I haven't heard the latest update, but she said that within three days of just posting it, we we already has sold 144 shirts. Um, And so I know that that has to have increased because I I sent out a a bunch more shares um, in the days after that. Um, I also um, have 
made a connection with the lady, uh, Mandy, who was a Yahoo Finance reporter that uh, interviewed me and a few other players. Um, she is also going to uh, repost uh, to her, her followers as well. Um, and then our goal is to try to get, um, you know, some more attention so that we can uh, send that money over to them within, you know, hopefully championship weekend is the goal, uh, is what Shayla was saying. Uh, but I think it's doing really well. Uh, considering that uh, the turnaround on that was pretty quick, I, I think I'm really proud of uh, our sport and how everybody, you know, came together to help. Um, I see that the GoFundMe's out there are doing really well. And, I'm, you know, I wrote a blog this last week about how thankful I am to be a part of this group because we really are a, a giant family. And so when one person hurts, everybody hurts, and we all take care of each other. And when one person succeeds and gets, you know, some attention out there, we're all posting it, we're all sharing it, because we're all sharing it in that success together. So I, I love being a part of this. It's it's awesome. Um, and so hopefully I'll have some more news on that shortly, but um, it's going pretty well. Awesome. So I hope uh, Paula um... – is recovering well, and we'll touch. Ba- I'm going to touch base with uh, I think it's Melinda Sparks is of the uh, yes. Central Florida uh, Anarchy. So I'll touch base with her this week and see uh, you know where things are going uh, at this point. But uh, thanks to you and everybody else, and Mrs. Blair, of course, for putting out the T-shirts uh, and the continued support from everybody. Uh, the links are on the group pages as well on our individual timelines. Uh, please make sure when you share it, share that post in public and not private. That way it can reach a lot more impressions. And obviously $8,000 in a short amount of time. I mean, we're talking the 12th, right? And right now it's the 21st. Mm-hmm. So that's that's, that's an amazing, um, an amazing. yes, it's very incredible. And you, you, I mean, to raise almost $10,000 in almost a week, that's just uh, amazing. Considering so, how uh, small and, our network is, that's really incredible. Yes. So um, hats off to everybody that's helped out. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, once again, our condolences go to the Connell, uh, Connell, Corey Connell family for the loss of their son, and uh, we hope that, that the money that's being raised will help them in some format ease their pain, and then uh, we hope that Paula uh, Blanco will come back and recover from this and uh, see her on the field one more time and uh, as part of the anarchy. So, Holly, uh, thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it. I hope your, your recovery is going well as well. I know you're up and running now with no crutches, so that, that's a good sign. So we'll go well, ahead and touch base ready. with you. I think we're walking, but you're not. <laughs> no, I, I'm walking without crutches. I'm not quite ready. Probably another month or so, but I am cleared to do things like leg press. So I'm excited. <laughs> so that 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 whole thing in Vegas, that just not a big deal, right? With the with the non crutches. Well. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely happy to be off crutches and just okay. – um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. From walking Because whatever stays in Vegas. What did you say? I said we'll leave it at that. Whatever stays in Vegas stays in Vegas, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, well, we're happy that you're actually up and up and up now. So that's good. Uh, the recovery, you know, it's it's always tough. And you said it before, you know, it's the baby steps and – so, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully uh, your recovery time frame has actually been elevated to a point where it's actually less time than, than anticipated. That's always a good thing. 
Yeah, I'm. I I feel like I'm ahead of schedule, but I have my next um, orthopedic uh, appointment on Thursday, so I'll know more for sure. And I'm. Are you still there? Uh, All right. So, Holly, uh, I'm going to let you go. So uh, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll talk next Tuesday if you come on, and we'll see the results of the WFA playoffs round two. So um, hopefully uh, our predictions come true. If not, we'll have surprises, and that's always nice too. Okay, thank you for having me. All right, Holly, have a great evening. Bye-bye. All right. Let's get let's bring in uh Darren Steinke from uh Ad Stank Sports uh on the next huddle here and he's gonna be talking WWCFL, Western Women's Canadian Football League action, uh the finals, the semifinals happen this weekend, then we have the finals uh coming up this June twenty fifth. Uh Darren, are you on? Yep. Hello. hi, how's everybody doing out there? We're doing great, Hello. Darren. Uh, how is your uh, week going so far? Uh, the weeks uh, out here in Saskatoon's been going pretty good so far. So uh seems a lot of pe- people up here in Saskatoon were pretty excited about what the Valkyries were able to do on last Sunday. So that was a pretty good thing. Now, uh, Darren, were you surprised that Edmonton owned basically the Western Conference? I mean, they, they were the top team last year. It just felt that this year... Uh, I thought Calgary was going to, you know, be a be difference maker, but it just didn't der- turn out that way. Uh, Edmonton has been here in 2011, and they were they were here last year. And every year that they've gone to the finals, they've gotten spanked. And so do you think their mindset is that, or are, are, are they just going to turn it around? Because I'm being very, uh, I guess if you yeah. want to call it rude, with yeah, the franchise. Well, but it, yeah. their franchise yeah. record hasn't shown that they're very competitive more than seven points. So, and and I you know no, give them credit. The first the first time they went they went against obviously uh, Saskatoon and their Saskatoon is just you know it, it's the cream of the crop. They are the you know yeah. the best of the best. And then last year you went uh, they went against Regina who overcame Saskatoon. Yeah. So I think Regina was not going to lose the game. You know they weren't yeah, going to go to the finals to lose. Yeah, it was like fifty-three to six. That final. Yeah, exactly. Regina. Yeah. The uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, the thing with the Western Women's Football League right now is, uh, I think the last time I was on, kind of the way it shapes up is, uh, like the Western the Western Conference is still good, but of course the two top teams in the league are basically are Regina and Saskatoon, and the way the league's been right now, as I said before, it's almost like the NFL in the early 1990s where you had Dallas and San Francisco playing in all those three straight NFC championship games, and it was basically whoever was going to go in that was going to stomp whoever came out of the AFC. So that's kind of uh, in the Western Women's Football, Canadian Football League right now, that's kind of the situation you have out here. So uh, I think, uh, like, uh, it's so funny you mentioned that first Edmonton game here because I actually did get out for the last little bit of that. And it looked like that Edmonton team had some pretty some pretty good athletes. I know that uh, Ari McGorman, their quarterback, looked pretty good. And they were able to, make some, they were able to make, some, make some plays in that game. So I guess it didn't totally surprise me that they were able to, I guess a 4-0 going through the conference surprised me, but... It didn't totally surprise me that they they came out of that conference. I think 
basically between them, Calgary, and Lethbridge. And Calgary had the jump forward and just didn't get it done in the playoffs. Like, Lethbridge's D is pretty good. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it didn't surprise me, like, any of those three teams can make it out of there. It's just the big question is, okay, once, you, once you're out of there, uh, are they going to be able to stack up to uh, basically, of course, the Prairie Conference comes down to whoever's going to win Regina and Saskatoon. Can the team from the Western Conference, how competitive are they going to be against the team that the winner of that basically Regina-Saskatoon game? And I know Sports Illustrated way back in the day in 1994, I think the third time the 49ers and Cowboys played for the NFC title game, they called it the real Super Bowl. And I guess you might also be able to say, that Prairie Conference final was at the real Western West uh, Canadian Football League championship game. That, that, and that's just the way the league is right now. So basically, yeah, this next game will be seeing how close the Western Conference team is. And Edmonton does have some athletes. It's, the upset is possible, but they are going into this as pretty sizable underdogs, I would say. Now, I, I was surprised... Uh, the Steel, who have been here consistently in the finals, so mm-hmm. we we have to give the we have mm-hmm. to give Lethbridge the organization, the coaching staff, mm-hmm. uh, their players. In terms of the West, uh, mm-hmm. they are basically what Regina and Saskatoon is to the Prairie Conference. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, Lethbridge is every year, a year in, year out. They've gone to the final. They've gotten themselves beat also by big scores. So mm-hmm. the reality of the situation here is. To your point, is there anybody in the Western Conference that's ready to take on the juggernaut from Saskatoon or Saskatchewan? And it, so far, you know, in, in its existence in the WWCFL, uh, it doesn't seem that way based on scores, that there's nobody on the other side that's even ready to compete. Yeah, and that might still like right now play out like I'm not sugarcoating it or anyway. It's probably like there's a good likelihood that might still play out again this year because even from the games I've seen in Saskatoon this year, like they brought in, they just had a year, like they have 27 uh, rookie players and most of them are first year players. A bunch of them have played in the flag league in Saskatoon here. And even over the course of the season, since that first Edmonton game, like that, that team is the Saskatoon team, the Valkyries, they've improved a lot. Like where they were at the beginning of the season to where they were at the, at this point in the season, you got to remember they won that conference conference game against the Regina they started an 18 year old rookie quarterback and Alex Ellison and she threw four touchdown passes like they let her go out and win the game which you think okay I got an 18 year old like somebody that's that young it's a rookie quarterback okay we got a max protect and the Valkyries have a good running game it's like yeah we got to run the ball and it's like and the coaches were like, yeah, no, we want to do this. And they'll, their old starter from last year, they wanted to put her back at receiver. And and they wanted to do – they brought in another good receiver in uh, Alyssa Weeb, who used to be a former hockey player, and this is her first year playing football, and she's really good. And the coaches were like, yeah, no, we, we're going to go with the younger kids at quarterback. They're going to be fine. And, and normally on paper you would think, uh, maybe this might not be the – wisest decision, but I gotta give Jeff head coach Jeff Yowsey and his staff credit. Like they know their players and they've made all the right decisions and yeah, they've gotten a lot better. So I guess that'll be the big scary thing for Edmonton is like I've seen I've seen the Saskatoon 
team is good, and they've gotten better as the season's gone on. So, so I, the upset's still possible, but yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's <laughs> they're gonna yeah it's they're gonna be pretty up against it because Saskatoon, besides having like a good good front line players, they have some pretty good depth. The Valkyries have some pretty good depth too. Where basically with the Edmonton team, you've got like they're kind of base of seven or eight good athletes, but then after that, they don't they don't really have the depth behind their starters. So that that could be playing to that could play into yeah pretty big uh, could play into a pretty big result one way well basically a big result leading into Saskatoon's way. Yeah, and you know, and this is this is the team to beat, anyways. Uh, I mean, there's no question in this league who owns a trophy. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, I mean, you got to give credit, like you said, the coaching, uh, the fan base is huge. I mean, this is this is the equivalent of the women's side, I think, in terms of of the support, like the, Sask- the Saskatchewan Riders. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh if, yeah. If everybody knew how good this team was, uh, it would be the equivalent of that, and they they have surmounted themselves in the history books. I mean, if, if, when I go global, when I go into mm-hmm. a global state in terms of comparing, comparing teams, um, and I know this is only like a 19 league, but when you go global in terms of Australia, Swedish, the Finless leagues, the Italian leagues, uh, you know, all the other leagues internationally, um, mm-hmm. you know, based on their output and their, their command and everything. Um, I think team Canada in the next uh, world championships. And we talked about this last time you were on, I think Team mm-hmm. Canada, uh, this coming next next go round in the IFAB Championships, uh, will be a force to be reckoned with. Because last time, um, I think a majority of the squad was Valkyries, and I think this yeah. time, majority, if not you know, eighty percent of the squad will be Saskatoon. Because it's, I mean, they're just, they're, the players are just that good. So it's it's just you know, it's 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 a credit to the organization for you know their mindset. And you compare yep. them to San Francisco, um, you know, you can compare it in, in that light. I mean, the Bill Walsh era and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, – they're ready to go, in other words. I mean, they, and they the, – when once they put the gas to the pedal, uh, I've seen it. You know, they play two quarters, maybe a quarter and a half pretty tight. But once they run away with it, there's just no way you're going to overcome that. And I think Regina's realized that. Uh, Edmonton has realized that. Uh, Lethbridge has lost three in a row three championships mm-hmm. in a row and they've been held to, you know, like I think on average of 14 points. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And a, and a change of quarterbacks. I mean, so yeah. it's like the system is there as you, as you point out, you change, you, yeah. you change from one quarterback to the next. And then I think it was Bloomquist before that, right? Candace. And yeah, she was she basically. Played, yeah. For four years. And she was like, she was outstanding. She was like pretty much league MVP every year. Like <laughs> it was, uh, following her footsteps like that was a pretty big hole, pretty like sizable hole too. So, and uh, and it's, what's funny too is think about it. Um, like Candace, they've gone really because when Candace came in, like, okay, gotta watch it with women when you start saying the age thing. But like Candace was, but I think about 38 when she finished, so she was closing in on her mid 30s, right. right? And she used to be, yeah, way back, uh, used to be an old U.S. Marine, and she can't just happen to settle down in Saskatoon. And like she was outstanding, and then when they went last year to Stacy, and Stacy is about twenty seven, twenty eight ish, so she was in her late, 
late 20s. And Stacy had a pretty good year last year. And uh, But, yeah, they didn't have the depth last year like they do this year. And this year when they had that influx of all those kids that uh, – it's so funny because the players that they have coming up through Saskatoon's flag program, like a bunch of the Valkyries, the veterans, have coached the players that they're now teammates with. And when right. now now, the, now you've gone to an 18-year-old and, like, depending where school takes, uh, like, Alex or and the other quarterback, like, they were rotating – throughout the season, Alex Ellison and Reed Thorstad, and both of them were good. And Reed's, like, probably 19-20. Like, she was really good, too. And uh, and uh, depending uh, of what happens with school with, with them, like, school could be the big thing, or just job-wise, career-wise would be the thing that would take them out of town. But they could be playing here for, like, a very long time if they end up staying settled in Saskatoon and their careers could. So it's Darren. like... How long could this Darren, go? With, yeah, Darren, with basically you're teasing us because there's already yeah. a, another quarterback in in the in the grooming stages, and they're doing a yeah. dual a, a dual uh, you know tryout yeah. within the season. Yeah. Uh, so it's that's kind of uh, unique uh, in that sense, and and that's good because it's live reps. That's not practice mm-hmm. reps, so you get the real time you know co- competitive edge on that. Um, so yeah, oh, you gotta yeah. give credit to the organization and to the coaching staff. I mean, for for believing in the player number one, and really yeah. allowing uh, you know them to play. And I know you know most coaches won't do that, but when you got you know when you got a heavy lead of two or three touchdowns, you know mm-hmm. the opportunity to, for somebody to get you know what uh, eight to sixteen reps is, oh, is yeah. already there. And what better time to do it than when it's a live game? You know you know what I mean? So yeah. awesome, um, Darren. The the game is in Lethbridge, the championship game. It's going to be this coming weekend. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, this is this is I think probably one of the unique things that most leagues do. Uh, they move their championships around and and they put in place you know where the franchises are. Um, yeah. Can you tell me is Lethbridge this big of a city you know compared to Regina or Saskatoon at this point in terms of fans coming out at this point? Because I know if it's yeah, in Saskatoon where... you have more opportunity for fans to come out, but Oh, yeah. What's if it was in Saskatoon, you'd have, like, a huge turnout. Lethbridge, the Steel actually has pretty good support in Lethbridge. And one of the things I heard with the Steel this year, and I've got a couple of their players actually uh, friends with on Facebook, and I know one of them was a good D lineman, Mandy Dion. She, something happened where she was hurt all season. Sounded like they had a few injuries, too, which kind of hampered their year. And I think when they bid, because, of course, in the Western Women's Canadian Football League, teams bid for to host the championship. So when Lethbridge bid, it, bid and got it, I'm pretty sure they were kind of banking that they could make the final this year. Because uh, that's why you do. You're thinking, okay, this year, looking ahead, we should be good enough to be in there. So I think that's one thing where attendance might hurt. Lethbridge has a good following. I think a lot of their players and families will be out. But I'm not totally sure how it will draw without the steel being in there. And it's going to be two teams from outside the city. So, so I know, I know attendance is going to hurt that way. I don't know how badly it could be, but I know attendance will, will definitely hurt for the fact that steel actually aren't, aren't in the game. And I know talking with a couple of my media colleagues up here, they're saying that they probably should get to a game. Like I know a situation in um, Canada, of course we have a, the, a league that runs parallel to the University League up here, the Canadian Junior Football League, and it's 
the CJFL has been around for almost 100 years, and they set it up. They rotate the championship between, like, the three conferences that are part of the CJFL, and, the, and that conference that's hosting it, the conference winner, ends up hosting the championship game, so they move it that way. And I know my media colleagues were saying, well, for the Western Women's Football League, like, you can rotate it between the two conferences, and it might be a better idea in the future that – Whoever wins that conference, the year the conference is hosting it, that's where they host the game. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm just saying, uh, in terms of revenue going forward for the league, it would make more mm-hmm. sense to maybe keep it in Saskatchewan until the fan bases. Mm-hmm. I know Alberta, yeah. uh, Edmonton, or Calgary would be another opportunity mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. it's bigger metro. So the opportunity mm-hmm. there for advertising and for for somebody to get into. Uh, a big stadium, you know, uh, to do a, yeah. a, a thing in the big stadium is there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, obviously the league had its reasons to support Lethbridge or Lethbridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been in the finals three times. So I think it's, you know, on a fair state, I think it's just fair enough to, for them to host a championship, even though their team yeah. is not in it. Uh, yeah. but we'll see the outcome at this point. Um, yeah. you know, I, I just, I, I see this league with so much potential and in a short amount of time, um, mm-hmm. you know, the leadership, uh, in the league in terms of the scope of it, uh, whoever, you know, they have done a tremendous job. And so uh, I need, I really think, you know, they're on Access 7. I think uh, the riot's on Access 7. Oh, yeah, and Regina, so they've been I, the I, local I, cable I, station there. And, yeah, uh, yeah so no, I, I mean, Access 7 does good. Point. Like, their broadcasts are yeah. great. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, they, they've gotten TV viewership, and that's, that was the one thing that I, when I spoke to a lot of people in the WWCFL about two years ago, I said mm-hmm. to them, take the lingerie model in terms of exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, get yourself mm-hmm. on small regional TV. Put a game of the week, you know, select the game of the week. Because the fans don't know, uh, you know, if you're playing out in the stadium, you don't have enough fans to even dive into to, to, to your game. But if you put a Regina Saskatoon in a, in a hot duel a matchup, you know, and a good classic, or you put an, uh, you know, an Edmonton Calgary or, you know, you have to select the matchups to put on mm-hmm. a local broadcast because then you are putting good football and people will watch mm-hmm. good football. Uh, you don't want to put, you know, a 53 to six blowout, you know, on, yeah. on access TV. It's kind of wasting time and money, but you put yeah. something of a, a good state. And that's what, like I, I suggested to them before, you know, it's not that hard to put a YouTube channel up. Uh, the hard part is to get somebody to edit your branding and to get yeah. to edit the game to, to make it appealing and to get viewership. Um, so there's another revenue stream there, as I explained to them before. If you get on YouTube and you get over 100, uh, 100 followers, uh, you're going to be making money. And if you, make, if yeah. you get over, a, a, what, 1,000 to 3,000 views, that's revenue for the league. So even if you just put you know two or three games out of the year, even if you just do the playoffs as yeah. a uh, as a uh, you know focal point, you know the last round of the playoffs, which is the conference semifinals and the conference finals, uh, I think people would watch. So you know, hats yeah. off to the the uh, the leadership in the WWCFL. Hats off to the coaching staffs uh, and the franchises. I think it's it's an exciting brand, and uh, ultimately, I think you know it, it, it's young, and I know I'm one of the fans that follows it and with excitement. Because I, you know, to to win uh, four championships in a row, and then you know, it's just impressive. You know, it doesn't matter what league you're in. If you can win four, oh, yeah, you know, four in a row, hard. Very yeah, impressive. yeah. 
Like, and uh, oh, he's mentioning uh, TV games. Like, that's so funny because I remember last year I was talking to a few people because, of course, I was in Regina for the conference final between Regina and Saskatoon, where uh, where the riot won by that last second, where the riot got up by 21 points. The Valkyries came back, took a one-point lead, and the riot kicked the last-second field goal to win it. And it was it was a classic, and it was like. Man, too bad this wasn't the final and this wasn't like the one that was on TV for the final because this was like this was perfect. It was a perfect made-for-TV game. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. of course, <laughs> then you had the blowout in the final, and yeah, just know how you know, things work out. But yeah, no, that's a really good idea. Like I'm glad Access Seven does the games down in Regina, and like they've got sideline reporters and everything. And they got like a few different camera angles they can cut in, so. Like not as of course not as many as like NFL or CFL, but at least you got like three or four different camera angles. So it's the guys in the uh, in the switching trucks got something to do. You got some different shots. So 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 yeah, it, yeah, it and, is and cool the broadcast. The whole the whole key is just to get exposure. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, at this point. The, the the whole point is to introduce these talented uh, athletes and these talented women to the screen. Yeah. Um, so people yeah. can recognize, like you said, you know, a top-notch quarterback, a top-notch defensive yeah. player, a top-notch receiver. Um, yeah. And what better way to do that? Now, you know, Darren, uh, we talk about Saskatoon like it's just ordinary business, but they've mm-hmm. made it seem so easily in terms mm-hmm. of getting to the final year after year, even in, in the inauguration. Besides Regina, uh, you know, beating them last year, uh, they're going for their fifth title. That just in six years. Just to, just to say it, fifth title in six years. Uh, they own this league. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't see anybody right now uh, on the West, like I said, competitively. I don't see, yeah. and to your point, I agree with you, the Prairie Conference final is your final. So if you wanted yeah. to clash and you wanted to go see a game, the game to go see is, is to, go get, to go see a Prairie Conference final because that's normally going to be pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the game was good. Even this year's game was good. Where, of course, even with the Valkyries winning by 15, but uh, it was kind of a Regina had a bit of a different game plan where they're trying to follow their game plan from the regular season. Where, of course, up here you only have the three downs, right, to make the right. make first down. So, in the, when the Regina won in the regular season, what they decided to do in the second half, and they were down 19 and came back and won 27-26 was they started any time they were on the third and short, third or four or less, they went for it. And I swear they almost made, like, especially in that second half, they made, like, every one of those. And they really ate the clock. And they had, like, a, like three or four 90-yard drives that were 10 plays. And and uh, they were trying to do that again. They were trying to do that again on in the Prairie Conference final here. Like, their first drive, they got down. They went, like, 90 yards, got down to the three. I'm thinking if they were going to gamble, they probably should have left their offense in. They ran a fake field goal and missed it. The receiver was wide open in the end zone. They just it just tipped off her fingertips, and, uh, wow. and then they got and they got stopped on a bunch of other third downs. Like uh, they piled up 440 yards of offense and had 10 turnovers, and seven of them were turnovers on downs. So the, wow. the difference and in the game was crucial. the Valkyries got this. Yeah. And the Valkyries got the stops on third down in this game, and that was kind of what was the difference this time around. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you look at the stats and you look at the scores, 
I, I, I know this, you know, it's, and it's not indicative of effort, but when you start yeah. looking at uh, the score sheet against Saskatoon, it is very low scoring for the opponent. So you have to give credit to that D. It's a ferocious mm-hmm. defense. It doesn't allow very much wiggle room for points. Unless you're going to kill them over the air on a gap yeah. or a, a, missed, uh, a missed coverage, you, you don't yeah. normally punch it in on the ground. Yeah. It's very hard to punch it in. I've seen some highlights, and uh, they, they, cut, they, they cover the corners very well. Uh, it's a very solid wall. And so, you know, for them to have a good offensive line all these years, from you know, Bloomquist yeah. now to your current quarterback, I mean, you've got to yeah. give credit also to, uh, you know, the offensive linemen and the line women that yeah. have kept these quarterbacks upright and given them the time to throw and, and to do their things and open the gaps for the running backs. Um, yeah. You know, Ju, uh, Julene uh, uh, Friesen, and then you also yeah. had um, – uh, Carly Dyke, right? So it's yeah. just you know it's been tremendous, and and the retention yeah. I think is key to your point. Uh, you you are on the money. I mean they understand yeah. retention, and so that yeah. that's consistency in football. If you got retention, yeah. everybody knows what they're doing. It's way it's half the battle. When you got so much yeah. turnover and influx of new new players, it takes so much time to you know to, to build trust. Number one, understand the playbook, and then number three, to come as a unit, come in as a unit to play correctly and. That's tough. But uh, you know what, uh, Darren, are you going to be at that game or you're not? Oh, no, I'm going yeah, I'm going. the hotels all booked and everything. So I'm going to awesome. be in Lethbridge so this weekend. Are you going to be tweeting live? Are you going to be tweeting live or anything like that? Or are you going to have uh, any type of uh, I'll Facebook do, Live we'll or anything like that? T- yeah, I will have a bunch of tweets. I won't be tweeting live because what I usually do when I go to the games for because, of course, I write up game stories on my blog, stanks.blogspot.ca. And w- during the game, I'm usually shooting photos throughout the whole game. So when the game ends, right, I right. usually throw up 10 to 15 photos of what happened in the game and then follow it up with a the, with the blog story of uh, basically what had happened, which is kind of what I did last okay. weekend. And that went, uh, that go- I find that goes over really well. Like, found the pic- no, pictures it's very shared a lot. Yeah, from, from my pr- perspective, we appreciate that. We really do. Yeah. Just, it's just your – you're, you know, you're an individual that obviously uh, we as fans appreciate, uh, especially when you put a, you know, a top player, a great day that they've had, a tremendous, you know, action shot from the game live. Uh, it, it goes, it, it, you know, a, a picture tells a, a, a the story, in other words. So we really appreciate that, you're making that effort. So we're going to be following you then on that game day uh, with some updates. And so, uh, and obviously some photos, as you said, you're going to upload those as well. So at Stank Sports yep. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we'll see, and that's going to be the WWCF CFL 2016 final in Lethbridge, and it is going to be the uh, four-time champion Saskatoon Valkyries looking for their yeah. fifth crown versus yeah. the Edmonton Storm, which is this mm-hmm. is their second time in the finals. Last year they got beat by Regina, yeah. and so third this time is in the finals. They third. were there in the inaugural year. Yeah, yeah. So this is the third charm. This is the third yeah. time. And to see if they can keep up with, uh, wow! It's it. I can tell you right now. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, have the Storm players listening to me think they don't have a shot. But uh, it's going to be, as you said, a huge obstacle. Uh, yeah. So well-oiled machine on one side, and yeah. you're going to have to come in and really play your heart out uh, to try to beat something like this. So um, congratulations to both teams for making it to the finals. So, Darren, thanks again for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate it. 
next weekend, if you're able to make it, I would I would greatly appreciate it because then we can go through the recap of the game and kind of give everybody an insight of what happened. Um, so if you can oh, make yeah, it, I would welcome you back if that's the case. Oh yeah, that one that won't be a problem at all. So so I can make you all right. Back so we'll see you next Tuesday, Tuesday then. Awesome, yes, and, and then uh, we'll Troy hope and to go here. Kesha will be back. I heard about the flood thing that they had to go through there. Yeah, unfortunately, there's some flooding over in uh, D.C., so uh, hopefully they did not have to evacuate their homes or any type of stuff, but we'll see how it goes. You know how Mother Nature can be. Oh, yeah. It uh, can be fun. I had to go through. I lived in Medicine Hat the last two years. One was an actual flood, and the, uh, the second year, thank God, was only a warning, So it's it's, but still, it's not fun. No, it's not. Um, so, Darren, thank you. Safe travels to Lethbridge. We'll look forward to following you at Thanks Sports on Twitter and then uh, get the updates there. And Saskatoon taking on Edmonton for the 2016 WWCFL Championship. So we look forward to that. Have a great evening. Uh, thanks again for coming. We'll touch base next Tuesday. Yep, we'll see you guys all next Tuesday. Have a great night. Okay, take care, guys. Bye-bye. All right, so that was uh, Darren Steinke uh, from at Stank Sports on Twitter, and he was uh, basically giving us the preview of the Western Women's Canadian Football League Championship, which is going to take place this weekend, June 25th, and it's going to be in Lethbridge. And so you get tickets there. You go to www.cfl.ca. You can get the link there. Uh, you want to be there live. This is a huge, huge deal. Uh, the Storm, I don't want to count them out, but they have a huge hurdle against the Valkyries. Um, so, uh, you know, that's why they play the game. So we'll see if Edmonton can put a better showing in the championship game. I'm pretty sure Tanya Henderson and company are going to put out their best foot forward, taking on uh, uh, Julene uh, Freeson and uh, Carly Dyke. So uh, we'll see how that turns out in terms of the Valkyries taking on the Storm. Uh, so we'll recap the uh, LFL uh, weekend that came about. So, uh, as I said before, Legends Football League, uh, Omaha Heart taking on Atlanta. Uh, the Heart get completely dominated, 77-0. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube channel via Legends Football League. Um, at, that was at the Infinite Energy Arena in Duluth, Georgia. And uh, the Steam, 1-0. They proved their muscle. Big point differential for them if it comes down to a playoff uh, type of format. With, in that sense, it doesn't look like it this year. Dakota Hughes. Uh, and Lauren Ziegler, and then you add Teresa Petrosulo to the mix of wide receivers. Uh, and wow, that, my friends, is called thrashing. Um, they obviously are offensive. You got to watch the game, but they, they just literally just eradicated uh, Omaha. And so uh, the, to the coach in Omaha, I'd say you got to go back to the drawing board. This is just, this is not, this is not like beating uh, the Liberty 26-6 to at home. This is a totally different level of football, and I don't think uh, Omaha was there. They didn't even show up at this point. I mean, they had so much, so many issues, and they were getting overpowered. It, just, it wasn't even a fun game to watch. But, uh, you know, Omaha, you got to do your homework. you got to come to play. Uh, the other game that's uh, on the YouTube channel is Week 9, Los Angeles Temptation taking on the Austin Acoustic. Uh, Los Angeles – was uh, basically fighting for their lives for the first half. Um, you can see it on um, on the YouTube uh, the YouTube Legends channel. Um, Monique Axiola a little frustrated. Uh, LA playing down to the Austin level of play, but Austin you got to give them credit. I mean Selena uh, and um, 
Michelle Marshall and Tiffany Zimmerman to Shea Winfrey. I mean, they just battled Steph Wicked. Uh, I mean, you got to give them credit. You got to watch that game. It was at Cedar Park, the last game for the Austin Acoustics. Uh, they lose 48 to 32. A very tough battle. Gave uh, Los Angeles a scare. Uh, if Los Angeles would have lost, they would have been out of the contention. And then that would have been Dallas's move there. The Desire this weekend took on the Seattle Mist. That was in week 10, June 18th at Dr. Pepper Arena. The Desire was in a must-win, given the fact that Los Angeles and the West won. Um, they beat the champs 26-21 to behind Victoria Thomas and uh, Michelle Angel and uh, Courtney White. And so uh, Seattle played a very good game, just some mistakes at the end. But overall, they get beat by six. They get beat basically 26 to 21. A must win for the desire to stay in contention. Number two seed, this forces Los Angeles when they take on the Atlanta Steam on July 9th. It forces the um, temptation in a must win against Atlanta. And Atlanta, as you can tell, uh, just demolished Omaha. So, I mean, Los Angeles is a totally different team, more veterans. No, no Omaha at this point, but they're going to have a tough battle trying to beat uh, Atlanta, the Dakota Hughes and, and uh, Teresa Petrozulo and Lauren Ziegler. It just, it's just, I mean, uh, at this point, uh, Ga- um, Mogax and the company there, they're going to have to bring their A game if they want to stay in contention. If Los Angeles loses to the Atlanta Steam, the Dallas Desire then gets the number two seed, and they would get to face one more time Seattle for the right to the Legends Cup. So uh, the story of the year at this point is Michelle Angel and the Dallas Desire and the, uh, the Bullet Brothers, the coaches there in Dallas. They have put together a veteran-like squad this season, so you've got to give them credit for putting a perfect squad in contention. And then the running back, Victoria Thomas, has been just a beast. Um, if you go to our Facebook page, you can see why. Uh, there is a photo there. She's taking on uh, Danica Brace on the leg, trying to hold her back, and uh, the recipient of a nice uh, elbow smuck to the face is Jessica uh, Hopkins. So a uh, big muscle, tough running back. This is the key to their win. And so Sunshine Julie was actually told, uh, released by the desire, and you can read up on that on our Facebook page. Probably not a fair thing to do for the league to do that, but uh, it's it's inconsistent with, what it's done in the past with, uh, you know, those types of things. So at this point, we wish Sunshine well. But uh, Victoria Thomas, big difference. Michelle Angel evolving as a top-notch quarterback in this league. Uh, Ashley Salerno left, which used to be one of the firepowers. So at this point, Michelle Angel literally replaced uh, Ashley Salerno. Uh, And she's probably not at the level of K.K. Matheny yet, but she's getting to that level. And the way they're playing right now, it's pretty consistent that we will see Dallas versus Seattle, um, you know, given uh, temptation beat Atlanta. And I doubt that's going to happen, but, you know, that's why they play the games. So this coming weekend, it's going to be a big test. you got the Chicago Bliss with Jacinda um, Barkley, and you got the Chris uh, Del Harris taking on the New England Liberty, which is Alex Drake. And so the Liberty is a must-win for them to keep their season alive. They're 0-2. It's the first home game. Chicago, also in a must-win. They're 0-1. They got beat by Seattle. And so this is this, the bliss. If they want to stay in contention with Atlanta, they must win versus New England. I can tell you right now, uh, New England better bring their A game because once Chicago gets rolling offensively, 
especially uh, with Barkley, and you got uh, Christel Harris. Um, that's going to be pretty tough to beat. So this weekend at the Verizon Wireless Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire, it's going to be uh, the Chicago Bliss taking on the New England Liberty. On the YouTube channel this weekend on Saturday, you get to watch Week 10, which is the uh, Clash, Seattle Miss, taking on the Dallas Desire, the 26-21 shootout and nail-biter at Dr. Pepper Arena. So uh, for uh, Troy Wilson uh, and Kishi Free, and for uh, my guests today, Nat Lentman and also Neil Rosenthal, Holly Custis, and Darren Stinky. Uh, we'll catch you here next week on the Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. Catch you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.